it's almost the weekend. Get your weekend here. <laughs> Half price weekends. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to witness that in real life, but I never have. Mm. You know, like go to the ball game, there's a guy with hot dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of like an auctioneer, but you're right. It's totally, it's totally the Simpsons hot dog guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he flings a hot dog from 20 meters away. Yeah, no, I can't. I, th I think it's a, a very American thing, you know, and I've, I've never been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, one time I went to the US, I, I wasn't there for the hot dogs. <laughs> that that's a pity we'll have to do a hot dog run some other time hell yeah dude how was your uh game awards week slash weekend so far oh my god um yeah look my week's my week's been really good um i uh like like we were talking before i didn't i didn't realize the game awards were on but uh mm. you know some juicy trailers were coming through um to some communities that i'm a part of and i was like oh that's that's pretty good and uh Phoebe and I tried to watch it. We lasted about 15 seconds. It was oh, wow. oh it was so <laughs> cringy. It was just like, oh, we couldn't do it. Um, yeah, so we didn't manage to see any trailers live, but we just waited until the end. And yeah, there was there was some good shit. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, I've been I've been playing some video games. Bit of le le left of center stuff. Oh, let's hear. Um, but also not left of center. I finished Dead Space too. Oh, um, fuck, dude. Holy sound design, Batman. That is... Yeah. God damn. I played it with headphones, and I don't know if I've ever played it with headphones before. Yeah. Um, and good Lord, it's just incredible. Like, yeah, just an insane amount of choreographed sequences, and it's just... Oh, man. It's still one of the best games I've ever played, like, nearly yeah. 12 years later. That just... Yeah, wow. That just... Still lives. holds up. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and like you know, something that that uh you and I praise quite a bit is, like I played on hard, right? And I, mm. you know, if you listen to my God of War rant, you know, I'm all about the nooks and crannies. I love figuring out the way to go so I can go the opposite way, find all the goodies. Um, so like I squeezed every penny on this playthrough, and I finished it in under nine hours, and it's just wow, like, that's great. It's what a just, great time. Oh, dude, it was just a great time the whole way. There was no fat. I just, I just miss, miss it when, when games were like that. <laughs> um, but obviously pretty intense, you know, like mm. I, I could only play for like 40 minutes to an hour at a time and yep. at nearly, uh, like at the end of every combat sequence, I would just breathe out. Like, I had unconsciously yeah, right. been holding my breath. So, it's, yeah, it's still, it still packs a pretty big punch. Um, and so, I needed something on the down low. You know what I'm saying? I needed, uh, I needed just, I wanted to turn my mind off, uh, you know, enjoy a spectacle or maybe just not have to think too hard. And so, I popped in and loaded up that Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, oh, oh, what Dragon Quest, dude! I I played tried to play a Dragon Quest game once, and I could not do it. I couldn't get through the tutorial. Right. So, what? Why was that? I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, I have never played a Dragon Quest except for this one. Um, I've I've heard it's beloved. You know, like mm. the the yeah. sl the slimes are pretty well known. I feel like that's a that's one of the kind of 
big video game icons, um, Dragon Quest Eleven slimes, like I see it on t-shirts out in the real world. It's just a, it's just a thing. I, I feel like slimes, Dragon Quest slimes are what Kirby is to normal people. <laughs> You know, like Dragon Quest yeah. slimes are to like super nerds to, as, to, as to what Kirby is to normal people. Amazing parallel. Totally yeah. agree. Um, yeah. So, you know, not, not an unknown entity by any means. Um, and so, yeah, I booted this thing up and the, like the first thing that hits you is the soundtrack. The soundtrack right. is incredible. It's, um, it's just live recordings of the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra. And it's beautiful. It, it just yeah. adds so much spice to the whole experience. Um, the other thing that really struck me was that they have a 3D version and a 2D version of the same game. What the hell, man? Okay. Yeah. yeah so, like, um, when you save, right, you've got to go to these churches to, to repent. Um, uh-huh. And, uh-huh. You, uh, and you, you like, save is literally called confession. Um and so when you save, you have the choice to just change things up uh, to 2D. Right. And and I was just blown away because I was like, did you seriously make, you know, you didn't make two games here, but like it's a lot of work to animate and include all these pixelated 2D sprites as well as like a 3D world and is, that kind of thing. Perhaps is Dragon Quest Eleven some kind of remake with, you know, they got the old game running underneath, you know, like how they did the Halo remasters or whatever. You could like swap between oh, 2D and well, not yeah. 3D and 3D. But, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if like they'd, they'd released this game previously and just yeah. called it Dragon Quest Eleven. I have no idea. Yeah, look, I'm not sure, but I was mm-hmm. super intrigued. So I played through the first section of the game in both 3D and 2D and it's wild. Like the dialogue is exactly the same, but literally like everything else is different. The art, the combat, it's... Whoa, the combat's different? Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, mm. uh, yeah, it's it, it blew me away. Yeah, um, right. And so, yeah, I was, you know, playing through this, just played for a couple of hours. It's, like, pretty charming, but, um, I mean, it kind of delivered on what I wanted, which was just kind of, like, brain-dead video game food. Um, mm. You know, this, this thing is, like, ages three to six. Like, this, right, right. every single enemy has, like, a giant smile... Like it's real Teletubby shit, right, right. Um, but yeah, it was it was all right, and I I just played for the soundtrack to be honest. Yeah, um, okay, cool. Don't don't think I'm gonna keep going, but yeah, just nice to dip my toes into you know one of those big video game IPs that has just kind of flown past me. Yeah, so I was googling it, and I played Dragon Quest Builders, not any of the main Dragon Quest games. So maybe I would like, pardon me, one of the normal Dragon Quest games. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in a post-Persona 5 world, turn-based combat just feels pretty boring yeah, <laughs> in, right. in other games, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's real exciting in Persona mm. 5 and, like, it's really fast, you know? The menus are like, bam, 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 and when you have that familiarity, you can just, like, blast through combat. Um, mm. And this is, like, the battle music starts. Okay, attack menu. Spell or attack? No, just attack. So click attack again, and then you yeah, cl- you okay. click the slime, and it's you know it's like that's what turn-based combat is, I guess. But it just feels a lot more slow and meandering, and it's it's just right. not, not as fun. I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, two sides of the spectrum for me, baby. Dead Space Two and Dragon Quest yeah. Eleven. 
Uh, yeah, you really went opposite ends. I love that. <laughs> yeah. What about you, dude? You've been playing any video games? Yeah, I played heaps of Need for Speed Unbound, aka Need Need for Speed Heat, aka <laughs> no. not Need for Speed Heat, a Need for Speed Unbound. <laughs> yeah, sick. <laughs> uh, very, very keen to hear about this because I wanted to um, play along with you um, oh, up, yeah. after your spiel, but I, uh, I fa- I've got like an app on my phone, like an Xbox Game Pass app. I pulled that shit up, Need for Speed Unbound. It's got the little Xbox One symbol. I'm like, hell yeah. I go to Xbox One and it just doesn't exist. It's not there. Right. So, like, I right. think it's it's a typo. So, you're on your own, oh. babe. I can't... Damn, son. I can't uh, I can't play along. But what are your, what are your thoughts? Dude, this game's fantastic. Really? <laughs> I love this game. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I've, I've, every day of the week, this week, I've been like, all right, I'm going to get home and play some un- Need for Speed Unbound. And usually something comes up, like I've got... You know, I have to, I get home late or I have to make dinner or there's some other engagement that happens um, and I haven't been able to play it. But last night and the night before, I just managed to get in there and get in my speedy car and <laughs> go real fast. <laughs> Sick. Uh, yeah, it's just the the way that it pulls you along in that game is fantastic. The like open world racer formula is something that I, have, I don't have a huge amount of experience with. So I don't really know if they're doing it especially well, though I'm, I am enjoying it uh, face value i guess right um, there's like uh, so, so each i don't know it, there's like a, a couple of different loops going on so like the main loop is like there's a big event coming and it happens in a week mm-hmm. and you've got a calendar that's like on your main you know at your uh, your hideout i guess mm-hmm. um there's like a morning and night for every day of the week so you get like effectively two play sessions for every day that you engage with the calendar oh interesting yeah, so there's like, you know, there's um different settings and the races are different depending on what time of day, you know, whether or not you're there in the morning or evening. Right. And so, sorry? Oh, I was going to say, so does that mean like for each afternoon or morning, you've kind of got like a couple of options to choose between? Yeah, there's like, well, you open the map at the start of every morning or evening and like there's some races that'll be nearby and some that are further away and some that are like higher priority and then some that just pop up randomly, like you'll be driving along on your way to a mission and your like uh, lady in the chair, Tess, calls you and she's like, hey, I got this job for you and you just you can just choose to do it then if you want. Right, okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, and anytime you, uh, maybe I shouldn't skip ahead. So yeah, you, you can, there's like maybe three or four, maybe five um, different missions that you can do and they're usually races um different kinds of races some sometimes they're just like a sprint you know you go in one direction the whole time basically mm-hmm. sometimes it's like you go around laps you do three or four laps um sometimes uh it's like a i don't know what the mode is called but it, it's like a destruction derby kind of thing so oh yeah you do yeah you do like three laps and there's like barrels and crates and stuff for you to smash and you build up a, a multiplier based on how much burning out you're doing and how much skidding and drifting and how many barriers you hit sick. and so it's all just like maintain that that multiplier and be your beat your opponents yeah sick. Um, that's like tony hawks except demolition in need for speed yeah yeah it's it's probably my least favorite mode um but i still enjoy it like it's not it's not a chore i still enjoy you know trying to beat the scores of the other people yeah hell yeah um 
And then every now and then there'll be a race that if you come first in, you just straight up win a car. You just get a car. It's fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're having a good time with this. So, so, so here's, here's like a scenario, right? Like I'm, it's like a Wednesday. Uh-huh. I've already done the morning set of races. I have a bit of cash and um, I'm like, the heat level is like heat level four or something, which is pretty serious. Like they start bringing out the helicopters at the heat level. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, I see that a, uh, I haven't noticed one of the races on the map is a car race that I get to like win the car if I, if I come first. Mm, okay, yeah. It's a, but it's at the other end of the map. So I have to drive there and it's like, you know, pretty risky driving around on heat level four. And there's also like, if I win the race, I'm probably going to gain, you know, I think it's like you gain an extra heat, it says, if you win this race. Mm, so yeah. I'd be up to heat level five. I'd never been on heat level five before. And I'm terrified of, you know, losing this, all this money that I've collected. I've got like $18,000 in the bank that if I get caught, I will lose. Right. And, go okay. back. and I've got zero banked. Like I've got zero in the account. It's not yeah. safe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. I, and it's like, that's like such an interesting conundrum, you know, you're like, do I go and try and win this car and potentially lose it all, but I get to keep the car if I win the race or do I just like bank this money and then, you know, get a car another time. Mm, right, right, right. Yeah. And I decided to bank the money. I wasn't, I wasn't willing to try and <laughs> see what heat level five was like or heat level four, whatever it is. <laughs> one day, one day. Yeah. One of these days. Uh, I will get there. But yeah, so it's fucking, it's really good. It's really fun. The cars sound great. The cars look cool. The races are fun. You get four restarts every morning and every night. So if you, you know, if you lose or you want to try again, you get a couple of times to like retry and then you run out eventually. Oh, nice. And so one of the things that is just the best feature ever in the Forza Horizon series is the rewind button. So like... If you take oh. if you take a bad corner and you like spin out and you know you basically can't come back from that, you can press rewind and you just replay the last like five seconds of the race and you know oh. you, you can take the corner better and it means you don't have to do like a full restart of the whole race. Does Need for Speed have that? No, they don't. That sounds cool though. Um, mm, yeah. yeah, it's I've had that a couple of times. I'll be on like the last lap, and like some random fucking pedestrian car will jut out in front of me and be like, "That's it. Everyone goes past you now, and you lose." Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I, it's the only racing game I've played that has that, and it's just oh man, the the racing in Forza is so good. Why? Why is everything else so bad? Anyway, that <laughs> that sounds really cool, dude. I'd love to check that out one day. Is it like a um? You only get a couple of rewinds every race, or is it? No. How does it work? In, infinite, infinite infinite rewinds, oh. and it's like <laughs> it's implemented so well. So as soon as you hit Y, you just start like the whole world starts reversing. Rewinds. All yeah, the wow. all the like physics, the weather. It's it looks fucking awesome, man. There's like yeah. no delay. Um, yeah. Wow. And yeah, you, you can just keep pressing Y. You can go back for ages until you're comfortable, like that you can not make the same mistake again. Well, wow, that's very, very nice. Very gentle. Uh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's already a bunch of stuff like that in uh, Unbound where it's like you can hit pretty much anything except a wall or like a big barrier mm-hmm. uh, and it, you, your car just goes straight through it. Like fence posts, yeah. tr- trees, rocks, telephone poles, whatever, you know, like you just doesn't. I think it, you get a very minor speed penalty but it's not noticeable right yeah i think um i think that's kind of key to like the open world races yeah um it's it's similar in in horizon where like you can just blast through just about anything except like buildings and yeah and some like railings that stop you from flying off cliffs kind of thing 
Yeah, um, totally. There's like certain types of architecture that you can't hit, which is also really well telegraphed. I feel like once you're just kind of used to what it's supposed to look like, you're like, oh, I can go through that or I can't go through that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I, like I remember, I think Need for Speed Underground 2 was the first like open world racer that I played. And, mm. and that was like, that game just felt like a bunch of roads. Like, you know, there was no barriers to blast through. So it kind yeah. of was like open world, but it also just felt like you were stuck in a fucking maze of sorts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, who knew we would talk about car car games so much? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, I had no idea. I'm like not a car person. I like driving in real life, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not trying to lower my car or get like crazy wheels or exhaust pipes on it or anything. I'm just like, just give me the stock car to get me from work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other game I played a little bit of was Callisto Protocol. Not oh. a little bit, I actually played quite a lot, but yeah. Oh my God. So I've wanted to talk to you about this so much because mm. you were excited to play it when it came out. You said you downloaded it. I heard absolutely nothing about it. Like you didn't, you didn't say anything until now. And like, I've, I've heard so much about this game right. just through the right. interweb. So I'm really keen to like hear your take. What do you think? Yeah, this game has issues, dude. Um, it's very pretty, very, very like, um, you know, they really nailed the sort of atmosphere, I guess, and the visuals of the medium of like, you know, scary sci-fi spaceship prison mm -hmm. gone bad. Mm -hmm. um, the creatures are gross. The like expressions your character makes are really full on. Uh, the gore is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's just like so many things that are like completely busted about this video game. Mm. Um, so first thing is the camera. Oh my God. When you start the game, the camera is like the slowest thing. It takes like a full 30 seconds to fully do a 360 turn. Oh my God. Like it takes God. so long to spin your damn head around. Yeah. I turned it up because I was like, this is unbelievable. Wow. Um, but then th that's sort of like a telling thing, you know, like the fact that they have the camera so low by default is sort of like, what? why would they do that? You know, what, mm. what's the deal? Mm -hmm. Um. And I think it's because they're trying to, like, build some form of tension into the game that isn't present. Right. Um, they, they do all of this stuff with, like, the sound design and the lighting and, like, the effects going on. But none of it seems to be, like, cohesive and none of it seems to ever build to anything. Hmm. So, like, you know, you'll get, like, the violins stab and, you know, you're in, like, a dark corridor and, like, the crate or the, um, what is it, the grate falls from the ceiling, like, in Aliens. <laughs> you're like, oh. But yeah. then, like, nothing will happen or, like, it, the, the music just keeps getting louder and louder and then they don't, it never, like, properly resolves into anything. Right. You know, like it, it, it never like, oh, here's the th scary thing or it never like, you know, peters out and then like gently builds it up again later. You know, like it's, it just seems to be like kind of weirdly um, inept at like creating tension. Yeah. Okay. Um, it has all the pieces, you know, it's all there. It's just in the wrong order. Mm. Um, yeah. And then the combat, my God, my God, the combat. They fucked up combat so bad. So, so the combat in this isn't like normal video game combat. It's some really, it's bold. What they did was really bold. So like when an enemy is near enough to you, you'll sort of enter this smoothly. It's very smooth. You'll enter this like combat, uh, uh, what do you call it? Stance with them. 
and they they will try to hit you and you have to either press left or right on the control stick to dodge out of the way depending on what direction you think they're coming from right so i've heard it being compared to punch out Mm. like it's it's basically the same thing where you're trying to look for telegraphs and and dodge left or right (laughs) yeah Okay, so and that would that would be totally fine if the combat was always one-on-one, like it is in Punch-Out, right? Mm. Like you've always got one enemy in front of you. But this game does this thing where you'll be fighting more than one enemy regularly. And it, it doesn't, like, have the other enemies, like, stand on the side cheering their, like, you know, necromorph brethren on. They're, like, they'll get in there <laughs> and start hitting you. Right. And, like, it, the camera kind of just kind of needs to be, like, locked onto the, your target in this weird, you know, unofficial lock-on way. Otherwise, you won't dodge correctly. And this game is so ready to give you damage. It's so ready. You'll dodge You'll dodge 100% correctly and still take a little bit of damage just because this game's like, you want some damage. Oh you want God. some damage. <laughs> oh, my God. So like, I've been on, like, one final pixel of health and, like, dodge perfectly out of the way and, like, I'll still die. And I'm oh, like, why did I die? That's like, very frustrating. Yeah. Maybe I didn't dodge perfectly, but it certainly, like, it played the all of the animations that I'm used to getting when I dodge perfectly, so I don't know. Like, mm. So it's really uh, animation-dependent, um, which is great, because you get, like, these really impactful battles when you're, like, dodging out of the way of these creatures and then swinging your um, stun baton at them, and, like, the impacts are fantastic. It's all, like, it's basically all canned animations, so it's all really, really well put together. But right. um, as a result, you get this sort of like weird um, disconnect between when you're in a fight with one enemy and another one shows up and you're like, okay, do I run? Do I stay? Mm. How do I target the other enemy? What happens if they're both attacking at once? Yeah. You know, like there's this like huge can of worms that I feel like is really needed to be brought up really early in production and just never was answered. Jeez. Um, and so, yeah, it's it, the combat is just, like, completely busted as a result. Um, Man. Man, that's such a pity. I really had high hopes for this because it's the, the, you know, a lot of the same stuff from the Dead Space team. Yeah, yeah, um, so I hear, so I hear, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, is, I mean, is this the kind of thing that uh, you can hope will be patched into some form of playability or is it just like, you know, the core elements, like the way the combat works and stuff is just a bit too broken? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think there's probably some amount of rework they can do with like the enemy behavior and placement and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm probably just going to, like, I, I really want to play some more today, so I was going to put on easy and just, like, see what the vibe is. Oh, Maybe it's that's better. a good idea. Yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know how much of it is patchable, though, because that core system of, like, you know, Mike Tyson punch-out left-right mm. Dukin-style um, battle is just, like, so fundamental to the combat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I it- don't know, man. If, if you're interested in uh, a, a bit of creative writing, um, Jim on the on the Jimquisition, James Stephanie Sterling did a written review. He, they're mm. back they're back to doing written reviews, which is really cool. Oh, great. Um, but man, the the Callisto Protocol review is a great read. They yeah. Does, do they rip it apart? Oh my god, they do not have a good time. I think they might have yeah. given Scorn a higher score. <laughs> yeah. like, Dude, Scorn was a better experience. Oh like, I had no, more fun with no. Scorn. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. All right. That actually paints a bit of a picture then. 
Yeah. Yeah, like Scorn is higher on my list for sure. Oh <laughs> my so god! Weird. Wow, it's so weird. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I was thinking about Scorn the other day, and I was like, because we're doing our top five of the year thing, and I was just writing all the games no. I played out. Oh right, and Scorn. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Scorn was at least on the list, but oh, Callisto right. Protocol is not. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. leaving it from the list. Okay, yeah. don't you dare Scorn me next week. But oh way. man, if you Scorn me, I swear to God. Um, but you're about I, to get scored <laughs> oh, I mean maybe maybe before we jump into the news just some quick housekeeping uh, sure. next week top 5 game of the year it's almost the weekend edition uh, we're really excited we've been working painstakingly on these lists um, <laughs> yeah. it's taken up a lot of our mental capacity mm. um, and then the week after that we're doing Sayonara Wild Hearts the, 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 we're doing like a, a a video game uh discussion degustation i'm really i'm really excited just just for the next two weeks and the top five especially but uh yeah, yeah nice yeah 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 hell yeah man um shall i get us into some news yeah yeah so i have a feeling you've got a bit of a juicy uh feed oh. for us this week i have to restrain myself um <laughs> there is so much news because of the game awards um mm. Prior to the Game Awards, I did have a three-piece feed. I, I'd written a few things down, and uh-huh. then the last piece of the news that I'd written down for, before I deleted it all was uh, the Game Awards is tomorrow. <laughs> You'll probably need to get rid of all of this and write new stuff. Oh, no <laughs> so shit. that's what I did. Oh, so the first piece of news is that Death Stranding 2 got an announcement and a trailer at the Game Awards. So I was super pumped for this. Uh, when yeah. when I, re- I I realized from the first shot that it was um, Death Stranding two. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. bro, it's a game on your your top ten list to get a sequel. Yeah. Huge. Yeah, it really made me want to go back and finish the director's edition or director's cut or whatever it's called. Oh, uh, that's right. Stranding. I forgot yeah. you picked that up. Yeah, I got a f- fair chunk in as well and then just dropped it. But yeah, it's uh, it makes it's reignited my um my passion for that universe so hell yeah yeah it looks cool looks pretty pretty wild uh there's lots of new stuff going on in there yep. real gross real gross weird enemy dude um go watch the trailer <laughs> um hades 2 got a trailer and some gameplay shown off which is really exciting Huge. Uh, very beautiful uh, animations at the start of that uh trailer yep they've just done it again it yeah. looks like it's you know is it a prequel? Is that what it is? Do you have any more information on this? Uh, no, I, I, like I'm, I'm not too sure to be honest. Okay. Um, the the protagonist had the same eye condition as Zagreus, so I'm mm. assuming they're either siblings or like they're somehow related. Um, do they do they mention in Hades one uh, a sister or anything like that? No. Sibling? Oh, no, wow. they didn't. So it could be like Zag's child, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that. That could be a thing. Um, but yeah, I- I'm just super excited for this. And the first time Supergiant have done a sequel of any kind. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm always keen for them just to keep trying new things because, like, that's you know they just knock it out of the park a, a lot of the time. And this is one of those studios where. Um, you know, if I've got a console that can run it, that's a, that's a day one buy for me. Like I just have so much faith in that studio that no matter what they do, I'm just, I'm on board, baby. 
Yeah, man, they should have fucking hired me to be their animator, but oh. no, no, I'm just joking. It's, I'm just joking. it's fine. <laughs> That's it. We're uh, we're 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 not buying their games in the future. Um, it's yeah. over. See you, Super I'm burnt, burnt every bridge. Uh, so <laughs> the third piece of news, which isn't the last, I got one final bonus news piece. But yeah, the third piece of news is three demos have hit the PlayStation Store. Oh yeah. Um, for, yeah, and actually, I think it's four demos. I've I've mistypoed here. There's a few demos that have hit the store. Mm -hmm. um we got seasons uh, a letter to the future which is a really pretty looking game that had a trailer last year or the year before i think uh which features character riding a bike recording sounds to um in the event of the end of the world um that there'll be like a, a record of how life was i think is the, the vibe right interesting so looks cool riding yep. around on a bike recording bugs and waterfalls sounds really peaceful and wonderful <laughs> yeah i like that uh thirsty suitors um... <laughs> See, like, like man remember when we were doing that episode last week or the week before yeah. and we were talking about fucking vocal coach yeah like, guitar freak oh my god like yeah. man, these 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 names are just getting better they're getting so good. Um, <laughs> Thirsty Suitors, I'm fairly sure, is an Australian developed game. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, Bramble, the Mountain King. I have no information on this, but the picture in the promo <laughs> looked nice. <laughs> Another, I mean, again, that, that name intrigues me. I, I want to yeah. know more. And the final game that is a demo currently on the PlayStation Store is You Suck at Parking, which I have no info on either, but I will definitely have to try because that sounds like a fun time yeah sick i mean i'm i'm all about demos especially especially because we're in this kind of duality of of console generations where yeah. you know like the current generation hasn't taken off enough to kind of um encourage developers to release only for the current generation yeah um yep. and like yeah if you older a switch or those older consoles it's just nice to have demos to see how things run because man they don't always run so good now hey <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that there's a lot of like um i mean they can usually get them to run but it's just like the, the load times and there's like heaps of issues with like all the new ray tracing reflection -y things that are going on and yeah it's just i mean cyberpunk is kind of the the what would you call it the yardstick for what happened there mm, yeah totally totally um, and then the final piece of news this was the weirdest thing that happened throughout the game awards i don't know if you saw this but mm -hmm. um during the elden so elden ring won game of the year at the game awards um nice surprise all, there yes yeah yeah um the they, they announced the award all of the the people who are at the awards for to represent elden ring were like or to re represent from software like walked up onto the stage mm -hmm. um and then behind them also walked up this boy i don't know he's he looks young he looks 15 i don't know he's a young young kid mm -hmm. and he's just back there while they're like accepting the award they're saying thanks you know Thanks to everyone who voted. Thanks to our families, blah, blah, blah. We, we're really grateful that everyone enjoyed the game. And thanks to the Game Awards. And thanks to Jeff Keighley. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then right after that, they're playing the music for, you know, to wrap up the Game Awards. Uh, and then this kid comes forward and he's like, my turn now. He takes the mic. They lower the music and he says, please, I want to thank everyone and nominate this award to my reformed Orthodox rabbi, Bill Clinton. 
they raise the music and fade to black. <laughs> uh, I think Jeff Keighley comes on and he's like, well, that was pretty strange. See you next time, guys. And that was, that's it. Wow. That's, Did you see um, this? Uh, no, I didn't. But it's very, okay. it's very holds up Spork, you know? That's, yeah. That's, um, uh, yeah, okay. So what, what have people said? Like, you how how did he even get up there? I feel like that's what everyone's wondering. Is like, what's with the security at the game awards? Like, anyone can just go on stage. Apparently, <laughs> wow, that's weird. That's really weird. Yeah, and I I was watching it with a friend from work, just like in a Discord call, and I was like, who is that guy? Who's that kid? And then he like takes the mic, and I'm like, oh my god, what? Why is he talking? What's going on? Um, yeah, wow. it was just super super weird, super strange. There's people who have ideas about you know the the coding of what he might have said or, you know, his oh state or his history, but no one seems to have any hard or fast information, uh, like re- like actual factual information about what, it, what who he is. Yeah, um, or like what he means, because that is a pretty random thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have, like, come out with, like, screenshots from, like, conversations that they've had in discords where they talk about this kid or, you know, prior to the thing saying that he was going to do it um so yeah i don't know it's just a real weird kind of a bit of a shame you know like the to 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 have your um award sort of sort of be um not stolen but just like the moment kind of a little bit ruined by this kid i don't know yeah 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 i mean i don't i don't think it's gonna hold elden ring back somehow but no it is like a, a just a bit of a downer yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not always I, I kind of hate awards, um, or like oh, dude, awards suck, and they're like yeah. they're just fucking rigged. That's that's why I lasted like fifteen seconds because like we tuned in and it was just someone just talking about how excited they were for all the games to be announced and the current games and everything is amazing and like yeah, yeah. pre-order everything you possibly can afford. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? Like this was is like a lady at the start. You... Uh, I can't remember. I think it was okay. a woman, but like yeah. it, it, it seemed like a worse version of the Oscars and the Oscars are fucked. So like, it was mm. just, yeah, it didn't seem like a good time. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they had uh, who's the actor for Kratos? Uh, what's his name? Oh. Steven something. Um, he know. he won like best uh, performance or whatever. I can't remember. But oh well, he that's, got on stage. that's probably deserved. Yeah, yeah, totally deserved. Um, but he got he got on stage and he did an eight minute long acceptance speech. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, eight yeah. minutes. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Yeah. I mean, dude, I did actually see the list of awards that they give out during the Game Awards, and they need to chop that list in fucking half. Like, Mm. I just feel like they're reaching so much just so that, like, they can play ads and trailers and shit in between all the awards. (laughs) It just, I don't know. Totally. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's an exercise in advertising, totally. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Um, so yeah, that shortly after that happened, um, Jeff Keighley tweeted the individual who, um, I don't know, he, he said the individual who was on stage at the end has been arrested. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that happened. Then, uh, six hours ago, Jason Schreier has just tweeted, he spoke to the guy who interrupted the game awards. His name is Matan, that he's 15 years old. I was right. Oh my uh, God. some, some thought his speech, what speech was an anti-Semitic dog whistle, but he's almost certainly a Jewish prankster. He understood a question I asked in Hebrew, then pretended he didn't. 
Um, so yeah, people were saying he might've been mentally ill or on drugs or that it was a anti-Semitic dog whistle. Um, there's all sorts of, you know, that's what I mean by this. There's all sorts of people who have ideas about what was going on, but none of it's factual. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the latest from Trier. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's that. Bizarre. Well, um, I got, I got two bag chips. Sure. Uh, first bag chip is dead cells cross Castlevania. I mean, mm. fuck yeah. yeah. The, yeah. I saw the trailer. It's sick. And that, like, I, I can never remember their name, but the composer for Dead Cells is just on the fucking money. Like, every time there's a trailer, <laughs> they do this amazing medley with Dead Cells music and whatever IP they're fusing with, and it's just, mm. it always kicks ass. Um, and, yeah, it looks like uh, the, the Dead Cells the biomes are getting a huge Castlevania update. So, like... New bosses, new Castlevania themed biomes. Yeah, it looks it looks fucking awesome. Hell yeah! Um, and the other bag chip I've got, which I've just got to fucking mention. Um, did mm. you did you ever play Days Gone? No, but I know about it and I've seen footage. Right, so I haven't played it either. It's actually it's actually sitting on my PS4 because it was like a PS Plus game from a million years ago. Um, but the director for Days Gone, um, tweeted this week that Days Gone wasn't a, se- a success because of woke reviewers. Oh, and, no. And he was trying to defend that it's okay to have white people in a game and, like, oh, my oh, God. No. Yeah, and so that the Sony studio have just been distancing themselves from him and, like... Uh, you know, all the responses, uh, I'm pretty sure it wasn't successful because it was just a mediocre zombie game in, yeah. <laughs> like, a market filled with mediocre zombie games. <laughs> it's just oh. like, oh, yeah. As if as if anyone still fucking cared about that game and now you're just, like, throwing, you know, the few people who did care into the garbage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's uh, such, a, such a wild... Uh, what a shame, because, like... Just let let it die, you know. Like let your game go out. You don't need you don't need this kind of attention <laughs> on your studio. It just like ruins a lot of lives and a lot of livelihoods. It's yeah, stupid. It's fucking stupid. I agree. Yeah. I agree. leave it in, leave it in the drafts, bro. As they say on Twitter. Was this did this happen on Twitter? I assume it did. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah classic Twitter. That's the thing, right? So we were talking a little while ago about like the people leaving Twitter. No one has left Twitter. Um, Twitter <laughs> going down the drain hole. The tw- Twitter seems to you know it's it's glitchy and broken, and there's way more ads than before, but it's not going down the drain hole. Right. Um, yeah. It's, and I think it's like this is the reason why everyone stays is tweets like that. Where it's just a complete dumpster fire of a situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, just wanted to mention that real quick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, shall we we get into things, as they say? Let's get into it. All right, so I'm real excited for this topic. I, um... All right, I, I feel like I need... I need to give you a bit of preamble, because it's not... It's not an intuitive topic. So... Maybe, maybe before we dive into the juicy meat of this podcast sandwich, um, <laughs> let's wind back the clock to the early 1980s. Wait, wait, wait. Do you want to say what the topic is? No, they'll put it together. Um, no, we're, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're talking about uh, should video games be edited? Okay. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's go back to the 1980s before, before I kind of, you know, we dissect what that actually means. Okay. Um, all right. So 1980s, we're talking Disney. 
Um, one, Jeffrey Katzenberg has recently been appointed the chairman of Motion Pictures. Um, okay. The animation division is in trouble. Uh, anima- animated movies weren't selling tickets. They hadn't had a hit since The Rescuers in 1977, um, which he showed me, by the way. I, I really I liked that, that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah super cute. Um, so, yeah, early 1980s, they're struggling to get a film called The Black Cauldron out into uh, the mainstream. Yeah. Um, and, dude, this is super fun for me because, like, I did a bunch of research into stuff that you probably already know and I get to yeah. tell it to you. I'm very excited. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so, this, this, uh, so it sounded like you've heard of The Black Cauldron? Yes. Okay, so I, I hadn't before I, before I looked into this. So, the film reportedly had a dark tone and Katzenberg was like, we can't release this shit. Um, upon finishing his first viewing of the film, he said, this has to be edited. And the producers looked around and looked at him and they were like, there's nothing to edit. You can't edit an animated film. Mm-hmm. And, and Katzenberg apparently famously replied, that's ridiculous. You can edit anything. Um, Hell yeah. And so what the producers meant by you can't edit an animated film is best explained by editor for Cars and Toy Story 3, Ken Schretzman. He says, for live action, you shoot first and edit later. For animation, you edit first and shoot later. So the editing process was over for The Black Cauldron is what those producers were originally getting at. Now, like, you're probably sitting there in your It's Almost the Weekend podcast listening throne and you're like, Daz, video games are edited. There's sometimes years of pre-production in which, like, the editing of dialogue, of plots, all that shit plays a large role. Mm. And you'd be right. Um, in addition to that, larger development studios have in-house editors as well. Um, mm. The kind that will edit trailers and cutscenes, much like the kind of work that an editor might do for an animated film. Um, but we're talking about Katzenberg editing, baby. So, like, if a piece of video footage lasts longer than one frame, then you can edit that. Um, and so what I'm getting at here is if a section of gameplay exists within a game and it lasts for longer than one frame, you get where I'm going with this? Like, I do. Like, Katzenberg was like, you can edit anything, and he, he was right. I think he was right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Video games share aspects of the production process with animated movies in respect to how they're crafted from the ground up. Um, so, like, and again, dude, feel free to jump in here and correct me if I'm totally sure, wrong yeah. because this is this is your wheelhouse. But um, I th- I think I think I've put things together. So, like, yeah, you're doing good. Even even now, animated films strive to only create footage that will be used in the film. Um, so I found something from Lee Unkrich, who was the editor for A Bug's Life and Toy Story. And then, um, he went on to direct Toy Story 3 and, Mm. and he said that in animation, editors are part of the writing process. So apparently they'll even contribute to the story and do things like add dialogue for animated feature films. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really cool. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, and it, it seems like, you know, they'll like, as soon as they start conceptualizing a, a project, they'll have an editor as part of that kind of ground zero team. Um, yeah. which I found really interesting. So with that background out of the way, uh, let's pivot to video games. So 
you and I constantly complain about how modern games are longer than they need to be. I mean, I just mentioned it before with Dead Space 2, right? I mean, when's the last time you played, like, a AAA big kind of spectacle video game that lasted less than nine hours? I just... I, I don't think it's that common anymore. Um, and I think editing the game is a solution to this issue. Like, it would help do away with recycled content... Um, which for me is like a pretty pesky standard that is kind of mm-hmm. an expectation in modern games. Like, you know, even with Elden Ring, Game of the Year Elden Ring, um, there's heaps of recycled content in that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. like there, there, there are, I think there's hundreds of bosses in that game and there's only 10 unique bosses. Um, right. and it's just, you know, that game could be a lot shorter and just as enjoyable without all of that recycled content um but i should say you know this is some privileged shit i get that not many directors are going to have the audacity or the budget to cut content that's been slaved over by the studio um Mm. however however there was one studio um that i was able to find that did exactly this with their most recent game so uh evan hill uh, was a level designer and he directed the museum level in The Last of Us Part 2. So oh, yeah. if you haven't played The Last of Us Part 2, no spoilers, but this is basically a flashback sequence um, and it's it's one of the more emotional sequences in the game. Um, you, you learn how to swim and then you explore this dilapidated museum and then there's, like, a little bit of a scare at the end. Um, but it's, like, beautifully paced. And whenever I talk to people about this game, that, that scene um, towards the end of this level uh, is, is a scene that a lot of people mention. Um, and, so, and so Evan Hill was saying that Naughty Dog was prepared to scrap work to better suit the game's vision. Um, yeah. Which is, like, a kind of a form of editing. Um, yeah. But he, he he said, and I quote, some sequences were remade up to 25 times. Yeah. Um, yep. And like like I was saying before with the, the privilege stuff, like this is obviously not an option for a lot of studios. Um, the scope of The Last of Us is just insane. Over 2,000 people worked on the final product. Um, but it is a good example of what having a multi-million dollar budget can afford the creative process. Yeah. Um, at least I think it is. And, and the game had like a single director in Neil Druckmann, but many of the lead designers, like the level designers were only given one level for the entire project. So Evan wow. Hill, Evan Hill spent three years directing that one museum level. Um, and they still copped crunch, you know, dis- despite like yeah. having such a huge wor- workforce and, you know, having so much of the game kind of spread out, like, they, they still were, were just crunching their ass off to get that released. And, you know, it was a game that was delayed a bunch. Um, I wasn't, like, hanging on for a release date or anything like that, but I remember mm. back in the day seeing, like, a couple of, a couple of statements from Naughty Dog being like, we're not going to make this release. It's going to be a couple of months out or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the idea of editing content is really appealing for me. Um, mm. I'll, I'll often see, I mean, 
it's it's not like I'm only playing AAA games, so this might be a bit unfair, but I, I'll often see, like, video game trailers or play the games the se- themselves, and the pacing is just astonishingly bad. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, with a lot of video game trailers I watch, I have, like, no idea what that video game is about by the end of the trailer. And I feel like that's a pretty good measurement for, like, if it's a yeah. good trailer or not. <laughs> um, but speaking of the games themselves... Alien Isolation, classic example. Um, uh, We've talked about it a bit already, but it's a linear story and out of some fear around delivering a short game, so much of the gameplay is reused. Um, I I think an edited version of that could be incredible. Be fantastic, yeah. Um, And and same for for God of War 2018. Um, You know, these are two games that I've played semi-recently. I actually wanted to boot up Alien Isolation again. Um, yep. and just kind of play it until I got bored. But I just remember the first couple of hours in that game being sensational. Yeah. Um, they got, they got the atmosphere and the vibe so spot on. Um, but yeah, do you, do you have any games that kind of have sprung to mind while I've talked about like chopping content or reworking scenes and that kind of thing? Um, no games that sprung to mind, but while you were talking before about, um, I think it was a, a, Pixar movie where they were talking about trimming or editing dialogue or suggesting dialogue was done by a editor at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things about like Pixar movies, especially, I don't know about other films, mm-hmm. um, but I imagine it's not necessarily the case, but yeah, at Pixar, if you are able to make a case that if this character says something that you think is not to the character, mm. then you can make that case. So I was um, mentored by this fantastic Pixar, ex-Pixar animator named Mike McCarowitz, right. um, who's well-known in animation circles. Uh, he was, he's, he'd been at Pixar for something like 20 years or something. Wow. Um, yeah. He's really a fantastic dude. Very, very humble down to earth. But if you've ever seen him animate or even talk about animation, he's just like a complete freak. Um, <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Yeah. He's like next level. But yeah, he, he frequently spoke when we were talking about acting last Last time I took an animation course, it was focused around acting. Mm-hmm. He frequently spoke about times when he would be in the um, dailies or even just like a film review where they'd watch a sequence of the film back and, you know, talk about sh- shots that he had specifically or even other animated shots where he would disagree with something that a character did and even sometimes something that a character said, often opting for the character to do less or say less. Um, wow. Simply simply in favor of it being simpler um, and, you know, the fact that it's something that the character wouldn't say or do. So, yeah, very, very, for him at least, being a rock star, it's a little bit more <laughs> simple to, to do something like that. Um, I, I can imagine just wetting my pants going up to, like, you know, Brad Bird and being like, hey, man, just so you know, I don't think Viola should say this in Incredibles. Yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah, that would be insanely intimidating. Yeah, yeah. But apparently it's something he and Brad had a great relationship. And so it's um, it's a lot easier for, <laughs> for him to make those suggestions, I suppose. But yeah, still, he had to prove the case and he was frequently shot down as well. Wow. Um, that's, I mean... Con- th- constantly in battle. Yeah, that's just so crazy to hear for me because it's just mm. like... You know, when it comes to the writing process and just using, like, films as a parallel, you know, too many broths... Um, wait, no. Too, <laughs> too many broths. <laughs> too many cooks spoiling the broth, or whatever the fuck that yeah. say goes. You yeah, know, yeah. that's... Um, too many broths in the cook's mouth. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's just, like, it can ruin things, and it can make 
plot lines feel muddled and characters seem wishy-washy. And the, the fact that a lot of those Pixar films feel laser focused in, Mm. you know, their character development and their plot lines and like the emotional beats, that's, it, it blew, it, it blows my mind that they can have so many people contributing to like the story and the characters. Um, yeah yeah and and it's like something um typically in a film that you'd see like you'd have the script that is is sold to a studio and then the studio might hire someone to rework certain elements to suit their vision and then Mm -hmm. when you're on set you might have the director or the actor playing the character being like this is how the scene currently is but i think it would work better if it was like this and so you know the final product is really um if it's a scene with heavy dialogue you might have only had like two to five hands on that dialogue mm. whereas in animation it sounds like it's it can potentially just have like a lot of people you know 20 yeah. 30 40 people being like oh i think it would suit the overall vision better if it went like this um, yeah and i i mean it's, it's even though there are those voices i think like the thing that makes it not as a, a muddy mess is the director like right. the director needs to be really clear on the character right or the purpose for the shot or the scene right. Right, and right, the movie right. as a whole and how it all slots together which is why being a director on a film like that would just be such an experience mm. um and yeah. so yeah um I, I i imagine that at pixar brad bird would have sessions flying at him constantly Mm. and that his whole job is to bat them down the all the ones that aren't true to the character to to field them and to make sure that only the stuff that is true to the character and true to the scene um makes through yeah yeah well that's that's really cool and so um pivoting back to video games again yes have (laughs) have you like having worked on a couple of games have you experienced that where like as an animator you've actually felt collaboration or had some say in other aspects of the game um not a whole lot uh my current job it's a lot more that way like i if i'm able to make the case to johnny that like you know this scene doesn't work for a reason or that i'm confused about something Mm -hmm. you know just in the script then he will go and fix it and rewrite it um but he's also able to be like yeah i'm not uh, you know, here are the here are the reasons why I think you're wrong. You know, like we have a we have a back and forth on like <clears throat> the um, the need for things and whether things should be cut. And yeah, it's some of it makes it through and some of it doesn't. It's cool. all um, yeah, it's all just it's, it's 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 like a conversation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff I've I've had experiences where stuff gets cut before as well. Um, right. There was when I was working on Necro Barista. Um, that's a game that had a long, uh, a needlessly long production period. And um, they had, oh, I can't remember what it was. It was quite a lot. It was something like six chapters. It was like a visual novel. Right. <clears throat> and um, they hit a point in production where they hired a producer. And I'll talk about producer's role in video game production in a little bit, but they hired a producer and they were basically just like, yeah, you can't release this. There's no way you're going to be able to polish six chapters. And they right. cut, like, cut it back to like three so they basically halved the game after a conversation, <laughs> no which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they then, you know, did DLC and released those chapters later down the track, but I wasn't involved. Um, or, or the work that I did for it was, you know, 
so so yeah i animated all of those chapters um, right right and then it was they cut. Were, they were done from my perspective yeah but then it was cut because yeah there's implementation there's like you know adding the effects to the scene the cameras in unity or like how it all gets laid out and you know mm -hmm. editing the, the way that the camera moves and all sorts of stuff in visual novels needs to be thought about um, and done so you know animation is kind of like the second step so there's like five more steps after that that need to happen that's that i'm not even involved with so yeah makes sense but right yeah. i mean it, it is worth acknowledging games that feel like they have been edited right like mm. i i mean maybe you're a bit too close to the project and i haven't played it but do you think it's the kind of experience that if i were to play necrobarista for the first time i'd feel it had been edited or do you think i'd I'd just be like, oh yeah, this is a, this is a full experience. Yeah. That's a really good question. I think you would feel it's a full experience, but simply because I think there's this like thing that happens between director vision and audience expectation. Mm. So like the director has their vision for what they want to show in the game. Uh, mm. And often I think it's too much. <laughs> and I right. think the reason that it's too much a lot of the times is because of audience expectation or because they have, you know, they're trying to say too much about this one particular thing when mm. less can be said. Right. Um, yeah. While still getting the point across. So yeah, there's this thing where it's like, yeah, you, you even though we, we lost three chapters, the, the game itself can totally stand on its own two feet with just, three like you don't need all this extra stuff yeah right okay and and that's mike mccarowitz's whole thing is like in acting for him in a shot that he's animating if the character is doing something that doesn't have a reason to be there then it gets cut like right. the only reason a character ever moves is because they have a reason to move yeah so, and that comes down to like micro expressions or like micro movements on the face like it's it's very like you know you need a reason for everything mm. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of similar um, mm. is is for me, like, Hades and, and the level variety in that game. Like, yeah. the first time I played it, I was thinking, man, only four biomes? That, uh, you know, that seems a little underbaked. Um, but in the end, those four biomes never outstay their welcome, right? Like, the, mm. the game was a complete experience and then some with only four biomes. And it just... Yeah. It kind of, yeah, that, that what you were just saying where it's like nothing is there unless it's there for a reason and it's just like, you know, it's pretty tight and like when you get comfortable with that game, like runs only take 15 minutes end to end. Yeah, um, right. and it And it still feels complete and it's just like, it's interesting, especially with the recent announcement of Hades 2, that they're not doing DLC, they're not adding more biomes, like they're just going to do... Yeah a new set of different biomes, different characters and, and different um, combat styles probably. And it's yep. just like, that feels good. That feels right. Like, you know, it, it does feel a bit weird being like Hades feels edited, even though I played it for 130 hours. Uh, <laughs> and like, I kind of do appreciate that I've been bathing in hypocrisy this entire episode. Like, <laughs> you know, God of War should only be six hours long, but how good is putting 200 hours and just slay the spire? Yeah, um, I was going to say, slay the spire. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, obviously there's a large difference between these two games, right? Like, it's kind of yeah. hard to compare them, but... At the heart of the issue, right, I saw the credits for Slay the Spire in less than two hours. Yes, um, yes. The game had a bunch of content still to offer, and obviously replayability is super high, but I had that core experience on lockdown in a relatively short amount of time. And I think, 
I think what I'm trying to say is with like video games and editing and should they be edited and all that stuff, like I think the core experience for a lot of games could be improved with editing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so um, what I was going to say before about a producer's role in video games mm, is mm. Um, their main role, and I reckon you would be great at this job, by the way. I think I've like recommended it to you ages ago, but anyway. Um, the producer's role is to make sure that the team is able to actually produce the, the amount of stuff that they need to produce before the deadline in order for the game to be shippable. Oh, so that, right. Yeah, they end up being like the person who usually suggests cuts. Um, mm, they're, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, we've got, you know, two years to make this thing and there's 12 biomes. This is in the case of Hades, for example. Mm. Um, we're in early access. The players have given us these stats about the early biomes or these, this feedback about the early biomes. How many more do we actually need? How many are we working on currently? And it'd be like, oh, we're working on, you know, 20 more biomes, but we only, okay, well, how long is that going to take? Okay, well, we need to hit this level of polish. Okay, right. So we can only really afford to do two more. Okay, fine. Right, right. <laughs> so we cut. We we go through and have like a big meeting about a discussion about which we can cut and which we can keep, and then we do that. Right. I mean that yeah. that basically was my job when I was a yeah. project manager. Obviously, yeah, yeah. the content was way more boring, but it was absolutely <laughs> about like assessing every little thing in yeah. the like within the project and being like, okay, this is what's possible this is what isn't, these are our priorities. Unless our priorities change, this isn't going to be available on that date. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's all sorts of moving parts to that as well, which I find really interesting. Like as you're going forwards with that stuff, sometimes stuff happens, you know, people get Mm. sick or there's Mm. like delays or stuff gets shifted. And and so you need to have like preempted a lot of that stuff, or good producers preempt a lot of that stuff. And they'll say, oh, you know, we had these gates or these fallbacks for these um, contingencies, like what happens next? And then they're able to like pivot the whole team and shift the product in a way that doesn't break things, you know, like you actually Mm -hmm. still manage to ship the thing on time and have it not be, you know, a mess uh, Mm. based on some, some unpredictability. Yeah. Um, they're there for those unpredictabilities which is very cool but yeah so just talking about cuts in video games like producers are uh, fairly at least in my experience fairly responsible for a lot of the things that get cut or left in right wow Um, that's that's really cool i didn't know that yeah and then what were you saying before i started talking about producers i can't remember oh there was a thing that was on the tip of my head but i didn't have my pen in my hand so i didn't write it down ah well it's gone it's gone it's gone forever It's it's gone into the ether yep um, oh well, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I had a lot of fun researching this topic yeah. because I was just like, I I've I've really fallen into like watching um video essays on like breakdowns of movie scenes and that kind of thing, and like yeah. one one of the two things that I've been watching a lot of recently is like criticisms of certain editors within the film industry, right. um and yeah, it was it just really interested me like how harsh they need to be sometimes. Um, and like, especially with, you know, you've got, uh, the theatrical release and then you might have an editor's cut as well come out not long after that, which is where the director sits in the editor's chair and basically decides they need to add a lot more. Um, and sometimes that ends up being a better experience and sometimes, and in my opinion, a lot of the time it ends up being a worse experience because the director is too close to the themes and the content and they'll just assume the audience is going to know more than they actually do. 
Um, yep. And I think a pretty good example of that is the Blade Runner releases. Like, the theatrical cut has this... Um, I mean, I haven't seen it in a really long time, but from memory, um, like, shit, we did it for high school, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the, the theatrical cut has this, like, expository opening that yep. talks a little bit about replicants, and yep. the director's cut has nothing. And so... Because the replicants just look like humans, if you're seeing it for the first time, there's not a lot, at least in the first half of the movie, there's not a lot of indicators that are like, mm. these people are replicants, they're not actually people. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of like the oomph of the, the first half of the movie is lost if you're not aware of that. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's also parts of that as well where it's like, it can be, it's subjective or it's, uh, yeah, there's no, sometimes you, you can't necessarily be right about it, you know, like you just have to kind of right. trust that someone has the right idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and that's a really hard thing for a huge team to do. Like mm. if there's no trust in the creative director or, you know, the person who's making those decisions about, oh, yeah, do we have the pre-roll at the start of the movie to say this is what replicants are so they get that oomph? Or do we just, like, let them discover that on their own and, like, trust in audience intelligence, you know? Like, yeah. Who, who's left with that decision and why? And do does everyone on the team agree with that? You know, probably not. But so, yeah, I don't know. That's It's a really weird, complicated, fascinating part of the production of something. Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and it happen, happens in video games too a lot, you know, it's because there's like player input and, you know, tutorialization and all that sort of stuff. It's this heavy amount of design that goes into ensuring the player's knowledge on certain things. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And I have been thinking about that a lot, actually, especially just this year, because I've been playing a lot of video games. You mm. know, I'm starting to like dread starting a game because <sighs> I, it's going to teach me a bunch of things that I already know. And right. and like games have to do that, you know, because you they can't, you know, they can't know your background and like how many video games you've played and that kind of thing. But if you've been playing video games for a while and you start like you know a far cry game or a call of duty game like it teaches you a bunch of shit you already know you already know about yeah. waypoints you already know like i mean usually the control schemes between these games are exactly the same um and yeah it's just it's interesting that like as uh, as someone who's like experienced you kind of have to just forgive the first kind of little bit of the tutorial um, and yeah. I, f I feel like the tutorials differ from the first hour experience, which we talked about, um, a couple of weeks back where that, that is very much just like, you know, good first hours of the developers showing you or like showing off a vertical slice of the game without having to rely on you kind of learning a lot of yeah. things. Um, whereas like, yeah, I think it might be fun to kind of dive into tutorials and understand what makes yeah. a good tutorial, um, because, yeah, like, some games just allow you to skip the tutorial, you know? They're like, you start the game and they're like, do you want to do this or do you not want to do yeah. it? Um, and that's, like, it's funny because when I start games like that, I'm scared of not doing the tutorial because I'm like, <laughs> what if what if there's, like, some unique mechanic that yeah. is a breath of fresh air and I just completely miss it because I don't play the tutorial? Yep, yep, I get you. Yeah, um... Yeah, it's there. There is. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit with UI as well. You know, there's like stuff you can 
show the player without necessarily telling them just through like you know symbols and things that people inherently understand but mm. there's also like sometimes you need to put text on the screen and be like hey mega man this is what happens with this like it's just unavoidable in some situations so yeah yeah and i think honestly like the fromsoft games have the best tutorials where it's just like, oh, I mean, except for Sekiro and Elden Ring. But, um, <laughs> like, the Dark Souls tutorial, where it's just like, you know, the messages are on the ground and you're in, like, uh, you learn how to climb ladders just by climbing them. You learn how to light bonfires mm. by lighting them and blah, 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 blah. And if you already know that stuff, you just get to run through and, like, beat the boss and you're on your way. And I just think that's, like, such... Yeah, it's just so graceful because it, it encompasses, like, players that know what they're doing. Like, they get to feel like they know what they're doing and they slap that boss into smithereens and then players who don't know what they're doing get to, like, take their time and learn everything. And I just feel like yeah. that's that's where the spice is, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, just to go back to your... One of the games that you were playing this week was the um, Dead Space 2. That mm. game has that, like, in-world way of teaching the player the best way to deal with enemies which is like cut off their limbs and there's like a dialogue and you know there's all sorts of stuff going on but it never actually like does it ever stop you and say here's where you aim the laser or does it just like let you go bro okay so i want to do like a fucking video essay breakdown <laughs> on the first hour in that game because you know how when we were talking about the first hour and like one of the things i mentioned was how everyone has a different way of learning things like yeah. auditory learners kinesthetic learners blah 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 in that in that first hour of Dead Space, without having, you know, a tutorial pop-up, they have um, an audio log, they have a little, like, text thing you can find, and they have, uh, like, if you, if you hadn't figured it out, like, towards the end of what could be considered the tutorial section they have um a, a video of this this um guy who shows you like you can cut off their limbs and then use kinesis to send their limbs back at yeah them. Right. And, and like it was just awesome it was just like they've covered literally every base and you know the audio file and the text file uh, like they bring lore as well as teaching you that you can cut off their limbs and use their limbs as weapons and that kind of thing. And it, it's all in world. And it was just like, fuck they've, you know, and they don't do this for every mechanic because a lot of the mechanics are fairly straightforward, but I just like, I like that they recognize this is like a core component of the game. It's like flavor. It's really important for combat. And they, they pander to all the different learning types. They're like yeah. audio text and visual and, Along with where you find these things, they've got, like, dead necromorphs around. So you yeah. can, like, shoot the limbs off and, like, pin oh, them cool. to walls and stuff. And it's just, like, it's so cool because you can also, if you know what you're doing, just blast through that shit. You can just walk past yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's perfect. It's honestly perfect. I think, I think yeah. that's how it's done. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. It sounds very good. Now I want to play Dead Space 2. Oh, uh, bro. Big, big recommend. I mean, it's it's under nine hours on hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, can you really turn it down? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, uh, got any closing thoughts on uh, chopping up those video games? No. Um, 
Not really. I think I've said it all. Yeah. <laughs> I've covered the... Yeah, there's no, yeah, nothing. That, that was a cool topic. There's nothing left to be said. Yeah, this was fun. This was real fun. Um, mm. Well, I guess uh, as December ramps up, we're gonna we're gonna be uh, slaving away at our lists, and we'll deliver those next week. I'm really excited for that episode. I cannot wait to hear what uh, what you've got on there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess if that's it, we hope you'll have a really lovely weekend and we'll catch you next week when it's time for the Listigastation. <laughs> yeah, see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.